But we're finishing a series today called Hashtag Blessed. And uh, the point of this mess of the series is that we would see in God's word what it really, truly means to be blessed. And if we're not careful, uh, this happens because it all creeps into us throughout the week, throughout the years, uh, throughout uh, the TV commercials, throughout uh, social media. We will become uh, we will become impressed uh, that what it means to be blessed by by everything else around us. And so we've been looking at the, the Twitter feed on hashtag blessed to see what the world out there thinks it means. And so here's the latest ones for you. I've changed to better myself, not to better the perspectives others have on me. Little self-pride here. I love who I am, and I wouldn't be here without the people who stuck by my side through everything. I'll forever be grateful, and I've learned how to love myself more than ever. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Little self-love there. Okay, here we go. I think someone's just trying to get some followers on their Twitter. See what you think. Hello, everyone. My name is Shane. I'm the winner of $451 million lottery, and I'm sharing my wealth, $2,000 to be exact, to the first 50,000 people who follow me. Stay blessed. Hashtag like. Hashtag retweet. Hashtag follow. Hashtag blessed. You think that's just a, uh, a grab for followers, right? I don't think I'm getting my, uh, I don't think I'm getting my $2,000. Uh, Hashtag heaven. This is this one's sweet. Uh, someone's father uh, who who went uh, the distance, old age, uh, passed and went to he- went to heaven. Hashtag heaven received another hashtag U.S. Army vet this week. This time it was my hashtag father. This person is very hashtagerific. Okay. Hashtag thank you for always being there for me, Dad. We are so hashtag blessed with many precious memories. Hashtag RIP, hashtag Texas strong, hashtag Texas family, hashtag Texas proud, hashtag Texas, hashtag God bless our veterans. Anybody want to guess what state they live in? <laughs> Virginia. Ding, ding, ding. How about this one? Uh, good. Uh, this You can tell when I was researching this. It was Wednesday. Uh, good morning, peeps. Hashtag rise and grind. Hashtag good morning. Hashtag awake. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag morning. Hashtag hump day. Hashtag Star Wars? Just throw that in there. Okay. Facebook status. Oh, this is good. Face take Facebook status updates that read, blessed or feeling blessed. By whom exactly? Who is this godly creature blessing everyone? Hashtag blessed. Hashtag feeling blessed. Isn't it interesting how many people talk about being blessed, but they forget to talk about where the blessing's coming from, right? Here's somebody that gets it. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Hashtag Psalm 8, 3, and 4. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag thankful. How sweet. This is a good one. This, this, one's, this is a total uh, college kid right here. Sometimes you fall asleep at 4.30 in the afternoon with no alarm set, and you wake up 13 hours later to find practice and school canceled. Hashtag blessed. Here's a mom must be must have flown out the door in the morning. My morning thus far slipped but stuck the landing, didn't spill my didn't spill my coffee and shut my hair in the door. Hashtag #blessed. And then the winner of the week, little puppy love, I occasionally turn on my flashlight on at random points of the night just to admire my new puppy. Hashtag #blessed. Oh, I was serious puppy love. You guys thought I was talking about something else. We're going to go right into a scripture this morning. Philippians 4, 11, and 12 says this. Not that I was ever in need, 
For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. So here we are at the end of our series, Hashtag Blessed. And if you've been here through the last four weeks, uh, we've talked a lot about money uh, because money causes us a lot of trouble. Uh, If we're not careful, uh, not only does it cause us a a lot of anxiety, but if we're not careful, we will use our finances and material items that we have or don't have as our blessing gauge. So just like your your, uh, car hopefully has a gas gauge that works, um, it tells you what's in the tank, right? And if we're not careful, we'll look at what's in our house, what kind of house we have, uh, how cute our kids are, how not cute our kids are. Uh, and, and we'll look at everybody else's stuff and kids and life around us, and we'll use that as our blessing gauge, right? Well, when we tithe and when we are generous with our stuff, and I don't mean just giving here and being obedient to the Lord and being generous to, to God, but you can tell the people in your life that are just generous people, right? You, you can pick out the givers really quickly. And, and these are wonderful people. That you, we all know the takers, right? Like the, the person that the last time they called you, see, I'm, I, I had to buy a truck because I was becoming a taker. The only time I called my poor friends was when I needed a ride to Home Depot. And so people can pick out a trend when the only time you call them is when you need something, right? Who's, who's got a couple of those in their life? And you see, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if it's ever been me, by the way. Um, I try to be a giver, right? And, and I really like to have people in my life that, that I don't expect things from them, but I, I love it when people are just generous, you know, especially with, like, their boats or their condos in Florida or, you know, good, good stuff like that. But I love, you know, when we're generous, it just, it frees us up. It takes money's grip off of us, and it makes, us not, it, makes it not about our possession and, and our, our meter on how successful we are. We just see it as, we just see it for what it is, that it's stuff that we have and, and might as well be used and enjoyed as much as possible. Uh, we've also talked about our time, and uh, that even coming to church on a Sunday is a way of basically tithing your week. Because for the church, our week begins on Sunday, and there's something powerful about giving that time to God. Because when you make that time for him, you're trusting him with the rest of your time. And not only that, but there's something that the church is missing when you're not here, and there's something missing from your life when you're not here. And so we are supposed to live this life of faith together. And so, so I know it's, it's uh, for me, I've worked for the church for so long, I don't know what it means to sleep past 7 or so on a Sunday. That's like, that, that just doesn't compute in my world. But I get it. There's, there's nothing like having that last morning where I, I could use a little bit of extra me time right now. And, um, but when we give our time, and then when we serve, when we give it away, like the people that spent time this week here and poured into a building for other people, to enjoy and, and, and to hopefully have an encounter with the living God in, you are, you are giving your time away to the Lord. And so uh, he blesses that. Um, when we put God first in our time, we're trusting him to meet the rest of our needs. Here's a question for all of us today. 
how do you feel when your needs are met? Give me some ideas. How, how do you feel when your needs are met? Satisfied, that's a good one. Comfortable. Anything else? Fulfilled. Gratified. I think there's a feeling beneath all of that that peace enters in when your needs are met. When, when you're missing something and you're, you're, you're waiting or you're looking for something or you have a hole uh, where something is needed, you can't have peace in that area, right? So if, if you're facing a, a financial concern that you don't see the answer to, what happens to your spirit? What happens to your soul? You have unrest. How, how good do you sleep? Right? Or when, so, so what I'm proposing is that when our needs are met, that peace comes with that knowledge that you are fulfilled, that you've been satisfied, that, you know, like if you're super hungry, I'll, I'll go to one of my favorite illustrations here. You get really, really, really hungry, and then you finally eat a good meal. There's something, yes, and then five minutes later, I'm looking, no. Um, but there should, be, there should be a moment when a need is met, right? And, and you just, all of a sudden, that one just falls off your, your, your heart, your soul, your spirit, and peace enters in in that area. So I believe that, that being blessed should actually, for us to know what being blessed means, we should actually see peace behind it to know that it's coming from God. I really do. Uh, let's talk about this. What does a good relationship look like? Is it just two people who do lots of nice things for each other? Is that a good relationship? I mean, it's nice. Or is a really good relationship two people that trust each other? What would you rather have? Gifts from somebody or be able to trust them? Ding, 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 like we're family feud. Like this would be a top answer, right? Trust. The people that I'm the closest to don't really care about what I'm going to get them for their birthday or for Christmas. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to try to find something that means something to them, and it's kind of fun to do. But they're not in it for that birthday gift or Christmas gift, right? They're not in it for anything that I can do for them. The people that are closest to me are actually in the relationship for me. Doesn't that feel good when people just love you for you? Now, they love me, and I love them regardless of anything else. So the gifts and the favors are just bonus or just gravy on the taters. Say it with me. Gravy on the taters. It feels good. I bought a pickup truck, man. I went 10 degrees more redneck this week, man. I went, I am doing it. But seriously, do you want to live a truly blessed life? So if a, if a healthy relationship looks like this, I have this peace in it because I know that there's nothing that can come between me and that other person. It's not based on what they're doing for me or what I do for them. We've come to terms that we're in it just to have each other. And that is, that's what blessings really are. That's what living the blessed life really is. Do you want to be able to walk through times of fire and survive? 
Do you want to know that you're blessed regardless of what things or finances you may or may not have? Well, Paul says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. The secret. That sounds good, right? Do you want to know the secret of living in every situation? T R U S T. Your ability to survive, endure, and grow as a Christian will always come down to trust. And if you think about it, think about every relationship you have. And the quality of that relationship is going to be measured by the level you really trust that other person. That's what intimacy really is, is when you can fully share, you know, an experience with the other person. Like you don't, you, you don't really have to say much sometimes even, right, with somebody you're close to. How do we trust? Let's look up the verse. Let's look at the verses leading up to that. Philippians 4, 6. Uh, let's see. We're going to read through 8. It says, uh, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we have to put the things that we care about over into God's hands. That's what prayer is. We're including him on all the things that are keeping us up at night. And the more I take something to God, the more I am trusting him with it, right? And then the better peace I'm going to have in it. Uh, so we pray about everything. We tell God what we need. You're placing your cares, your concerns, your worries in God's hands. Remember Paul said, not that I was ever in need. That opening verse, he says this crazy phrase. He says, not that I was ever in need. That's a big phrase if you think about it. That basically means I've never really needed anything. That's crazy because I can't say that. Can any of you say that? I want, I want to know you better. The Apostle Paul is saying, I never really needed anything. This is missionary Paul. This is shipwrecked Paul. This is beaten Paul. This is imprisoned Paul. Not that I was ever in need. Trust is the result of contentment, never the other way around. What do I mean? Most people in their approach to God say something like this. I will trust God when he meets my needs. Let me say that again. Most people, I'm talking to all of you, most people say something like this. I will trust God when he meets my needs. What these verses are saying is that our needs are met when we trust him. Stay with me. Let's look at this as a real example. Uh, many of us in this room are married. Uh, every marriage has either been in the fire, is in the fire today, or will be tested in the future. Don't say amen. So what's the secret of the cute little old couple at the restaurant or walking down the street holding hands? What's the secret? 
she's just a really good cook. That helps. Helps if she's good looking. Helps if he's, you know, not a not a jerk. We all need prayer. Did all of their needs finally go away? How about this? Did they each finally become the perfect husband or the perfect wife? 22 years in, and I have an idea of what it is because it's already made a difference in our marriage. Contentment. People that have trouble in relationships are generally, and I'll just say always, not okay with either who they are or who the other person is, and usually both. True happily ever after starts when you say, I am content with my spouse now. Sorry, it just does. Because most of the time, and again, when I say most people, I'm saying all of you, most of us want to say, I will be content with my spouse when they how many toes am I stepping on? I'm stepping on mine, right? That's the trap we fall into. We do it with God, and we do it with the people that we care about. We say, I will be content. Oh, there's just these couple little things. You know, you leave the, you know, and fill in the blank. We all have our things that we really, you know, that annoy us about the other person. But we have a choice. Sometimes it's hard for us to see ourselves in this, or, or to see this in ourselves, so let's flip it. Have you ever felt like there's a checklist between you and someone else's approval of you? Everybody. Have you ever felt like there's somebody's checking off a list before they decide to really like you? And you can tell when they run into something like, you voted for, oh, no, 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 you're done. Fill in the blank there, because it doesn't matter, Right? Or, or you do that, or you, you root for that team, or, or you, you do that, or you drive, you know, exactly the speed limit, or you drive, you know, fill in the blank. We, we decide to hold back our affection for people based on them getting there, right? We all have. Sometimes a poor self-esteem can send you false signals, but generally we all know when someone isn't content with us. Those checklists are in the way of contentment. When we place our needs, our cares, our worries into God's hands, we take that first step of trust, peace, and contentment. God, here, here we go. Here's how we fix that. God, I don't care if you ever, I will trust you. That's hard. That's hard. Because most of us, if not all of us, will come to something that we really think that God should do. And it's, it's really our, our real faith is on the other side of that prayer being answered. And so we hold back until we see what we want to see in a situation. And the problem is we don't know what he's doing. And so some people miss out on a lifetime of really trusting God because of one, answered, one unanswered prayer. Or what they think is an unanswered prayer. Right? God, I don't care if you ever do this thing that I think should be done, and it really makes a lot of sense, and, you know, I'm helping you out here. But, God, I don't care. I'm going to trust you. 
The truth is, and this is where this is why Paul can say, I really never had any other needs, is because he's already met our greatest need. Paul was the most religious and perfect acting person of his culture. He had gone to a lot of trouble to be the best at what he was. He was, he basically said, a teacher of teachers, a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had gone to the best school. He knew the law. He practiced it. He was a good person. And then he has literally a face-to-face encounter with God. And God says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You're getting this all wrong. And Saul has this encounter with the living God where he finally connects. And he realizes that his greatest need's been met. And he looks back at that moment as he goes through every other thing. And he says, God, you, you, you fixed my heart. You, you called me your, your son. You, you changed me. You took me away from a path of destruction where I was hurting myself and other people. And, and you're using me to reach others. God, I, I'm good. I don't need another thing from you. That's what Paul's saying. You've done enough right? So this leads us to our, our, our second point of this, is that after we pray, we need to praise. One of the reasons why we sing, uh, Christians are, most, most Christians are in churches on, on times of meeting, and, w- and we sing songs. And, and I've, I've thought of how unusual that must be to somebody who never was in a church, who only sings in groups when they're at a concert or, or happy birthday, right? And so you walk into a room, what are all these people doing singing? And real long songs, and I don't know what's going on. Wasn't that song beautiful? I hope you guys liked it, that third one. It's, it's just got a wonderful message to it. But we need to praise him. We need to thank him for what he's done. Uh, the, the, those verses continue with saying, fix your eyes Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Well, if you think about something that God has already done, and you know that, and he's, you're going to give him the credit for it, that's praise. So right now, we're standing in a 13,000-square-foot miracle, right? And so when I'm getting all flustered with something else, and I'm just not able to get something quite done, I just kind of got to look around and go, oh, oh, yeah, God, you're awesome. Um, I, I'm, I'm good, right? And, and when, when we think about the things he's done, when we think about the things that are good, when we think about the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, it takes our attention off this thing that we are having this issue with. It doesn't make it disappear, but it puts our praise onto him. Here's the deal. Praise is a problem for your problem because your attention moves to God. So I, I'm like all of you, when I've got a problem, that is what I am focused on. And, and when I get home, my kids' problems become my problem. My wife's problem becomes my problem. And that it becomes the thing that I have to, I just want to tear into it, right? Well, let me fix it. And, and so I'm just going to focus on this thing. So we get a church that needs to be remodeled like everywhere, and there's still a half million spiders, I'm sure of it. And so I have this incredible need to just focus in and just, well, 
I could stay in here endless days and, and not ever come up for air and I might kill a thousand spiders and get a few more walls painted, but I have to I have to thank God for what he's already done. I've got to pull my eyes back from the problem and say, God, just thank you for what's what's happened so far, and we're going to take another step when we can, right? So praise is a problem for your problem. You're not pretending the faults and needs and concerns aren't there. I've got this real problem, but I know that God has already done more than I know, He's and he's going to do more than I expect. So here's the thing. When you don't think he's answering a prayer, this is where trust comes in. You've got to believe that he's already done more than you think he's done. And you've got to believe that he's going to do more than you just want him to see that you want him to fix the parts that affect you and maybe the people that you see and care about. When God does a move, it's perfect because it, it touches everybody that is attached to it. And so it's going to happen in a way that, that, that changes other people's lives. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Okay, so we had um, pray, praise. The third thing we do is practice. Verse 9 says, put into practice everything you've learned. Listen to this. Let me get this right. Fix your eyes on whatever is true and honorable and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You see where peace and blessing cannot be separated? Put into practice everything you've learned. We all want perfection. I've got problems with this, okay? I was working on a piece of, uh, on the Welcome Center, and I was, I was wrestling with something, and I said, I was talking with my dad about it. He goes, Adam, you want it to look like a beautiful piece of furniture. You know, like, I have it in my mind what I think it should look like, and then I've got to figure out, you know, I've got to then factor in what we actually can do with the material, time, and money that we have and be happy with it, Right? So here's the deal. We all want perfection, but someone in here needs permission to practice. This week, practice placing your cares into God's hands by telling him everything. Practice praising him for what he has done this week. Uh, we've got to be better about being thankful for things. It, it, keeps us, it keeps us from dipping into the things that we all have things that we need, and we all have things that are concerning us. But keeping us thank, keeping thankful and being grateful for things keeps us level in how we're approaching those things. Otherwise, you'll just be overwhelmed by all the needs and the concerns. And any one of us can look around and find a big list of those, right? Yes. And so we have to be careful to be making a list at the same time of what we're being thankful for. Uh, we need to practice. Here's a good one for us. Practice choosing to focus on the best in people. Practice choosing contentment. When you practice that, you are choosing contentment. You are choosing to say, I'm going to take this person as they are. Did we talk earlier in the message about you can tell when somebody else has a checklist with you and they're waiting to give you their approval? So if you are willing to give your approval to people, without a checklist, what's that going to do inside of them? They are going to feel blessed. They're going to feel peace 
when they're around you because they don't have to do something to impress you. I've got friends that still talk like they've got to, like, convince me to like them. It's like, or, like, they'll they'll offer my help or, or offer help to me and, you know, ask me for help and, oh, I'll help you when you need it. Dude, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Just, I'll help you. We're, we're not going to have a relationship where we're keeping score here, right? But you feel that with people, right? And sometimes, you know, who knows, right? We can't go into, you know, all the Freud stuff here. Maybe they weren't loved or accepted as a kid, but this stuff carries over, right? And so why won't we take away the checklist between us and other people? Practice choosing contentment. Here's the rub. We all want contentment, and many chase it their entire lives. Here's the catch. Contentment is never going to come from more gifts. This is why people that hit the lottery, it doesn't fix them, and it just makes all their problems bigger. Contentment is a choice that we make. Paul said, I have learned. I have learned. He didn't say, I have received this amazing gift that just forever checks off my need box. He realized that he had to learn to be content. Nobody else did anything. God didn't remove the problems from his life. In fact, Paul was called to a life full of challenges. By the way, he writes through them in another book, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Listen to this. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. He's not just being arrogant. He's trying to make a point to some slackers here, okay? I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leader gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not that kind. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, endured many sleepless nights. I have been hungry, thirsty, and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I'm exhausted after that. How did Paul go through all of that and be able to say that he never had any real needs? Now, I'm sure when he was freezing, he's like, God, I could use a blanket. You know, don't get me wrong here. But how did he learn to have peace in every situation? This little section of scriptures goes to one of the most quoted ones. Uh, We can thank Tim Tebow for this one. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul learned the secret. He learned the secret is to trust God and to be content no matter what. He knew that he could trust God because God had already taken care of his greatest need. So hashtag blessed. Living a blessed life begins and ends with peace 
in our souls. All of the other stuff is just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to get nice things. It, it's, it's wonderful to get a building to worship. It's, it's wonderful to, to experience the joys of life. But at the end of the day, and every time in between, I'm truly blessed because God chose to love me. And there was a moment that I chose to trust him with my life. That moment invites the peace of God, the true blessing of being one of his children. Can we pray this morning? God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for the series. God, I thank you that you are such a good God. And this is why this message can be preached around the world. To people like us that have our choice of ref restaurants after service, to people in another country that are just going to be happy to eat sometime today. That's because your true message of blessing is not and never ever will be about what you give us and the nice things and more nice things and more nice things. The blessed life is one that is yielded to God. When we trust how good you are, the fact that you can heal our souls we'd be foolish to not trust you with everything else. Jesus, when he was arguing with some of the religious leaders, he healed a man who was crippled. But then he also forgave his sins, and he said, which one's harder? Which one's harder? To fix some broken bones or to fix someone's soul? If you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never had a moment where you say, God, I trust you with my heart. And if that moment's now, I want you to raise your hand where you're at. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. God, God wants you to have peace in your soul. He wants you to be blessed for real I have a feeling that most of you are just like me and that is we keep all of our worries inside our little heads and our hearts step one start talking to God about them every single one of them Begin to trust him to move and to take care of you. Step two is to praise him. Thank him for what he's already done. And step three is to practice. Practice, practice. Believing the best of God and believing the best of the people that he's put into our lives.
If we will do those three things, we will be a people that has chosen to be content. We can be like Paul and say, maybe not I have learned, but I am learning to be content in every situation. God will bless that desire. Can we stand and worship this morning?